Oh, is that it? <laughs> Good evening, Jean-Pierre Lakes. Hello, bonsoir. Leon Ramsey, hello. Chris Harris, good evening once again. George Connor, Marina Buru. Um, Scott MacArthur, Cotswolds, Jeff Hodgson, hello. As you can sense from my demeanor, hello and welcome to Fish and Friday. And thank God it's another earlier time. That was a real worry today. That was a big one. I suddenly couldn't find my laptop. Um, Simona has gone away down to the supermarket. She's away down to Tesco's. And she'd moved my laptop. I couldn't find it anywhere. It was through in the office underneath a bunch of paper. And I'm going, ah. And I thought I was going to have to shift location through to the, the office to do it. But that's another thing. Yeah, a week and a half. It's, um... Hmm... God, that's good. Ah. Ian Price, thank you. Adrian Mason, Mary Chris from Greece. <laughs> Sam and Farquhar, go away please, Chris. Harris, you look knackered. It's been, um, this week's been uh, putting all the finishing touches and it was great. I got an email through today from Profact, who are manufacturing the album, the whole Velchbets project. And um, all the bits have been getting sent to them. And uh, so all the vinyl is all there, all the bits, the sleeve, the labels, the vinyl's away, the test pressings come back next week. Um, the big booklet, the 100-page booklet is away with the slipcase artwork marks working like a nutter. Yeah, that's all gone, so that's all with them. Uh, the digipack, the 16-page booklet's all been done. And just to give you an idea, it's like, it's so mental, and you get so used to looking at all the commas and the dots, and I think I said on a, on a previous one, you miss the bleeding obvious, right? And uh, we're indebted to the Profact guys. It was um, Michelle at Profact. Um, he pointed out when we sent across the, or when Mark sent across the, the digi sleeve. Um, which is, like I said, 16-page booklet, etc. And he sent it over, and Michelle came back and said, you've missed out Velchmelts. And we'd missed the entire Velchmelts lyric off the, um, off the sleeve. And I was, thank God, he, he caught it. But it's just been crazy, just trying to keep on in touch with everything that's going on and getting things set up. And as I said, I mean... I had to get the special code off this company in America, it's the ACS code. And then I had to find an, an address in New York that could help me out. And a, a good friend of mine, Larry, hello, helped me out right in the last few days, which meant that another little piece is sorted into the jigsaw. And it's just been like that all week. And I had the longest ever interview that I've, that I've done in my life. And um, it was for Proc Magazine. And uh, it was um, it was a three and a half hour interview on Skype with Johnny Sharp, and uh, it was great. It was it was a lot of fun, and um, and to be honest, it didn't feel like three and a half hours. I think because I'm so used to doing this stuff here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody to talk to. Whoa. 
So, yeah, so that was a major kind of, um, a major interview, which is kind of ties up prog and classic rock and things. And uh, so all that had to be done. So I'm, I'm kind of bouncing at the moment between promotion and being an office manager. And Simona's been doing an absolutely fantastic job. Um, you know, we've, we sit here at night and it's like, you know, comparing notes about how, how difficult it's been. I mean, um, the mail order service, we've been running trials and tests and there's a couple of things came up in, in the last four or five days since we last talked. And uh, just little things, but they're, they're enough to cause problems and they're, they're things that we'll have to go back and iron out. So thanks to uh, the guys in at Fuse Metrics. Um, We've been getting that sorted out. And the bits has been the Blu-ray. The whole week, this this entire last five days, six days, has been all about the Blu-ray. So, And the Blu-ray, as you've probably seen on the Facebook pages, it's got a lot of content. And um, and I, I want to raise a glass to, to Miles Scarron and Rob Scarron, right, doing Crystal Spotlight, right, who have been incredible. Um, we had everything assembled for the Blu-ray and we were waiting on the, the, the video for This Part Is Over that Miles Scarron was putting together as an animated feature. I shot the, um, the green screen up here and I was sent down to his studio and, you know, impaled on the animation. And it's brilliant. It's a great video. I mean, you know, well done, lad. <laughs> but because we were doing all this animation, there was a lot of rendering involved. And it, it's just involved a lot of computer processing, you know, tech shit. And the tech shit kept on going tech shit. And um, there was a lot of reruns and touches and stuff. And the whole thing was moving into that, we must deliver, we must deliver. So tonight, after I finish the, the Fish and Friday broadcast, I've got to listen to Avril McIntosh and Andy Bradfield's wonderful 5 to 1 mix one more time. So I can listen to it in... Um, uh, seclusion in here and I'm going to open up a bottle of wine later on because it's the very last part it's the ones it's, it's basically the, the, the blu-ray is the one the next thing that goes in Dave Barris has checked all the visuals out I've seen the visuals this week twice and we've got all the making offs which Rob Scarron did a great job getting them together in time the making off man with a stick and the making off this part is over and then Miles delivered this part is over. It was I can't remember, was it yesterday? And uh, the original deadline was supposed to be today, but I've got to listen to the five to one tonight and then give it the okay, basically tomorrow morning for this massive Blu-ray upload to go to Holland, to the, the people in Profact. And that's it. That is it away. And they're telling us at the moment, the. Um, we, at the moment, the scheduled uh, delivery is the 10th of September. Do not quote me on that because the best laid plans of mice and men, blah, 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 right? So we're looking at, you know, as I said, after bit tomorrow morning at 12 o'clock, Weltschmerz as an album, as a project, as a manufactured thing, is gone. It's away. It will, the next time I will see it, it will be in Kling Film and it will be here in the studio and hopefully on the 10th of September. So it's been it's been a crazy week and my vacuum cleaner, uh, well I had to send the vacuum cleaner back, this brand new Miller vacuum cleaner I got and in the darkness of a kitchen or in the gloom of a kitchen, 
uh, there'd been some water spilt and it went up into the vacuum cleaner and basically kiboshed it. So I had a vacuum cleaner that was about uh, six weeks old, maybe seven weeks old, um, gone, kaput. So I had to buy a new one because the guarantee wouldn't cover it because the water had got into it. And um, so I had that to do. So that's a new vacuum cleaner's arriving. Then I had just all the other stuff, like MOTs and car tax, all the other shit you got to put in. I mean, lockdown, it's, I mean, I'm just so busy. I, I wouldn't even think that lockdown actually exists with how busy we are in the house. But Simona threw in the office dealing with the mail order stuff and, and getting everything processed and out at the same time because it's still a working mail order as well as being sorting out the problems. So, and as I said, I've been doing my side of things. So we, we hardly see each other during the day apart from the occasional cup of coffee you know, on a computer break. But it's been good. Let's check out the timeline and say hello to a few people. Widard. Stefan Ori, Neil Corey from Southampton. Stefan was from France. Jord Major. Hello. Tusu Domartini from Mexico City. Hi, everyone. Douglas Downey. When is the album released? 25th of September. But as I just said, we might have on the 10th, which means we can pack early, but it won't be out till the 25th. Sunny Mould, Gary Lundis, Sean Mitchell, Lumphammer, time for the tech. Yeah, we're going to have tech. <laughs> Not Garden Room, it's just wait one week till it's released. Pre-order one week today, that's right. The pre-order starts next Friday with the release of Garden Remembrance. And I've been going through the, 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 the votes for the, so the songs, because I said on the, the Facebook page, on the Facebook post I put up earlier today, I said, you know what you want? And it's Garden Remembrance and Grace of God were the two frontrunners. So, and hello fish, sorry, the, the Norwegian Blues. Who was that again? Uh, yeah, I'll come back to that. Phil Wood, Ray Rooks, Alisa Franco, Jim May, Christine Sandberg, West Coast of Sweden, Ian Smith, Smirisham, Smirisham. Bob Hoff, must feel good to be near the completion. It's the first part's done. I am a man of many mountains. And um, this is just, it's the first mountain. I mean, it's a huge mountain. I mean, you know, we've written, we've recorded, we've got it all there. The artwork's together, everything's done. That block is done, that mountain is crossed. And I can't remember what I said last week, but I feel like, you know, Frodo and Lord of the Rings. And, uh, heading towards Sauron, Sauron, Mordor. And um, yeah, so that mountain's done. Now I've got my next mountain to do. So I've just come down the Foo Hills and I kind of bid farewell to Mark, although he'll have certain things to do with like all the promotion posters and the adverts we've got to put together. But I kind of bid farewell to Mark here and uh, I kind of move on into the next territory, which is owned by William and William Luff and David Sullivan and stuff. The willful promotions, willful publicity. And Amanda Lees as well, and and Luke and Dan, they take over my life and they completely take over my diary, and uh, we basically start uh, moving on promoting the Garden Remembrance single and then the album, and that's my next huge huge mountain. And this is big; it's going to be a big mountain range because all the touring is gone. I had this strange feeling taking you know the 
the spray to the wall to the I've got a big board in the office that's got all the calendars and we write up every day and it was a really strange feeling like taking a just wiping the board of six weeks of dates and uh, and the December UK shows they've also moved they've moved to the end of the European tour in November all the dates are going up Rob Scarron is has been is adding these dates he's been tied up with the video and stuff so Next week, the dates, everything kind of sales, we kind of clear the decks and, and, and pull up the flags and, and move on that. So, so um, Malcolm Sauer seemed to be over gutted about their gig move for Liverpool. I am. I just found it really strange. And at this moment, you know, we, we still don't know what's happening in, in February with the, the, the next tour. But I mean, you know, I'm looking at the graphs that are coming up on the, you know, on, on telly. And, um, you know, they're kind of looking at another second wave kind of running through December, January, February. And at the moment, the graphs are kind of looking at next summer. So, I mean, we, we don't know. I mean, I've talked to so many musicians and crew and, and people in the last couple of weeks and, and everybody's just so confused by it all. I mean, somebody actually phoned me up today and said, oh, theatres are opening. It's like, ah. Laughs, maniacally. Joanna Kielichowska, hello from Poland. Jan Anderson from Norway. Chris Neal, is the big box edition limited? Will we still be able to order it a couple of weeks later than next Friday? Yeah. I have 15,000 deluxe uh, editions, right? I'm not going to limit them because they're great. And we're trying to price them so that we're not kind of taking the piss. So... It's forty nine pound ninety nine, shy of fifty, and um, then it's like, and that's what we need to sell. I mean, I think the the problem we're doing with the deluxe units is it takes so long to turn them around to get them manufactured. But at least once we've got the kind of um, uh, we're having all the print there, we still do have to press a button to activate another run of the hardback books and the slipcases. They're the ones that take time. Because in the book, there's a, there's a very special black paper that we can only get from Italy that Mark Wilkinson really wanted. Um, and uh, it's like it's all Burano paper. It only comes from the north of Italy. So, you know, we've really gone. I mean, Mark and I both wanted to put something really special together, you know, for the last album. And it's really special. And there is, right? And I'll say this now, right? There is one of the pages in the book when you get it, it's a kind of surprise, right? And I don't want anybody to go up and post it or take a photograph of it and post it. This is for you guys. It's like, this is the little surprise and it's, once you get it, it's your surprise and the people that have got the deluxe issue. So we don't want people posting out because it is, it's a really, it's a lovely little kiss at the end. So, uh, Baptiste Laval, Paris, uh, hello, da 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 da. Glam Dave, glad you got them. Cheers, mate, Martin State. What do you think of Scotland being open for tourism? I think it's it's good. I'm glad to see that um, uh, there are places opening up. There's a lot of businesses been suffering, and um, uh, and it's good to see. But I mean, I'm I'm really happy at the way that um, uh, the Scottish government's been dealing with this. It's um, you know, and, and talking to a lot of people up here, you know, the the go slows helped. You know, our, our infection rates down. 
and the announcements about the schools were, were kind of really cool as well this week. And I'm happy with it. I mean, it's, um, you know, we got a good lockdown started and, and we've kept kind of control as much as you can. But, um, but yeah, it, it seems to be doing well up here. And it was great because I went down to Harrington uh, during the week and um, it was... The streets were, they weren't packed by any stretch of the imagination. They, they weren't even particularly busy. But the great thing was about 85% of the people were wearing masks. And of course, everybody's wearing masks inside the, the, the stores now, inside the shops. And, you know, I asked the pharmacist and down there and I just said, you know, kind of, what's it like around here? And she said, it's, it's kind of minimal. And long may it stay that way. And, you know, that's why, you know, I'm still uh, being very, very careful and watching what I'm doing. And, you know, and I've been wearing a mask when I've been going outside for ages. And, uh, and it's, you know, just keeping the hands washed. And, you know, as I said, I mean, it's great that the tourist industry is opening up. But, I mean, it's just the worry. It's just, you know, people coming in and you, know, you just hope that the contact tracing is going to work. Really hope it. But, I mean, here it's been, you know, we've just been ourselves. I mean, uh, I said to draw, I had to go down to Harrington today. <laughs> I forgot to take my winter tires off and I've been driving about for the last two months with my winter tires on and uh, so I had to go down and get my, my summer tires put on in mid-July so there's still tread on them with the winter tires <laughs> and I had to, I had to go up, up to Perth to um, see my back guy and uh, I got that sorted yesterday but when I drove all the way up to Perth yesterday it was kind of um, you know I was very aware there'd be black marks, just a trail all the way up and back from Arlington. Just my tires just left in the wrong way, but I had to get it done. I was in absolute agony last week, and uh, and I did something to my upper spine. Good news is as well. <laughs> Good news, I'm going to hospital. Um, yeah, I've got an appointment next Tuesday for my shoulder. So that's this shoulder. So this was the one that was fixed in 2018. And I've got the same problem with this one where I've got torn tendons. So I've got an appointment next Tuesday, which is going to be pretty scary and very creepy going to hospital. And you can be rest assured that I will be um, uh, very, very careful. Uh, but I mean, I have to get this done. It's, uh, I just got, the shoulder's been causing me next. That's boring shit. It's mass shit, you know. But I got a click back in yesterday. Elaine Bithry, hello from Dunstable. A question. Where are you wearing a New York... Oh, I lost it. Oh, da, da, da. Daniel Matos Torrentera... Torrenteras. Torrenteras. I feel like the package will be greater than the Feast one. It is. It's better Feast. But the, the content... I mean, even the making of... Uh, the, all the making of videos total... I think they come in something about 45 minutes or something. So it's a huge amount of stuff. Robert Arans, Cheers from Liverpool. Stuart Lemon, any songs? I'm going to play a song. It's it's great. I mean, Simone has been noticing and I've been noticing as well that there's a lot of people coming on to this, this kind of the Fish and Friday thing um, that kind of missed out on a lot of my albums and that don't kind of know big chunks. You know, it's like Kaylee and, you know, it's uh, Kaylee and a couple of the other things, but uh, I saw there was a couple of questions came in, so 
gonna, I'm going to start this because once I start, it's going to take me on a big kind of one of them big long fishy tail things. Uh, right. Where did I start with this? Let me find it. It's, it's a long story. It's good though. You like it. I think you like it. Uh, where is it? Right. Just start off with this question. Where did I go from? How did I start this off? Oh, I was so stressed out. <laughs> On... I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I can't even remember. I'm actually, I lose track of the days. I mean, apart from the Friday when I do this, it's like the rest of them just, I've been a blur. And I told you I'd been kind of starting watching a lot of things about the American Civil War. And uh, I've just become, I just became really interested in it. And I think it was prompted by, like I said, there was a, a CNN program about, one on CNN, it was a thing about Gettysburg and it was about the guys that worked in the battlefield, like the curators, and they were talking about the statues there and things about what they meant and things and, and stuff. So I decided to like learn a bit more because I mean, I didn't know that much and I don't want to go down this route too much because it's like that is definitely another programme which involves perception of Johnny Punter. But, um, so I've been reading, watching stuff and you know, I watched Gods and Generals, Gettysburg, uh, then uh, watched this six-part series about famous battles, and of course it was, you know, ran all the way through that. And we watched Lincoln the other night, and which was, um, uh, what's his name, Spielberg's Lincoln, where Daniel Day-Lewis uh, playing Abraham Lincoln. And I tried to watch it twice before, and I kind of got bogged down in it and lost the threads. So I watched it the other night. I haven't watched a, a, a lot of documentaries about the American Civil War. Like Simone and I watched it, by the way, not just me. Right? And it was fantastic. All about the 13th Amendment, which I'd seen a documentary about, a modern day documentary about that recently. But watching the Lincoln movie this time around, it was really interesting to, to, to get to grips with it. And I was enthralled with it. So it was wonderful. And um, anyway, so I had a dream. I woke up in the morning and I had this dream, right? And I, I woke up panicking, right? And I woke up thinking, and I'm going, I've left it out, I've left it out, I've forgotten to do it, I haven't put the Battle of Richmond in, I haven't put the Battle... And I was dreaming I was doing this American Civil War album or something, I don't know what it was, but I'd forgotten to insert the Battle of Richmond, to end the thing with the Battle of Richmond. And not only that, in my dream, I was panicking because I hadn't done the flower display to go with the Battle of Richmond. <laughs> Gold figure, right? I'm going, where's the Battle of Richmond in this film? This person, Battle of Richmond. And we need a flower display. We need a shrubbery right now. That, ladies and gentlemen, is fucking stress. <laughs> yeah, the shrubbery. I forgot the shrubbery. So uh, there will be a shrubbery with the Weltschmerz album. Uh, if you go just send in, when you put your order in, if you name three or four plants that you would like within the oak cask that will be delivered to your door with the tenant shrubbery in, and every leaf will be autographed. <laughs> no. Fucking oh. shrubbery. Uh. Right. So, films. Da -da -da. 
Now, this was interesting, right? Because let's start with, with Malcolm McDowell, right? Um, I was going through one of the newspapers. I think it was the, I was, I was on the Guardian site today. And there was an interview where uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell um, that was uh, about a new film that he's made. And it was just, it was a kind of retrospective interview in his career. And I was like, well, I really liked him. I mean, I first saw him in, uh, what was his name? Was it Leslie Anderson? Um, Lindsay Anderson, right? Lindsay Anderson film called If that was about kind of uh, riotous public schoolboys. And, uh, and something makes me think that that was actually filmed at Charterhouse or one of those big English schools that Genesis were at. And, um, but it was like this whole public schoolboy thing and this kind of revolution in the army and stuff. And I, I, I remember watching it way, way years ago. I must have been about 13, 14 years old, maybe. And, uh, and I thought it was, it was brilliant. Cause, and then it was through that film that Stanley Kubrick uh, picked Malcolm McDowell to do um, uh, Clockwork Orange, right? And... Clockwork Orange, I, took, I, had to, I had to take a note of some of the dates of this because it was, it was just really interesting. What have I done with a bloody again? Um, lucky man. Yeah, Lindsay Anderson did three films. Um, it was um, If, Lucky Man and Britannia Hospital. Lucky Man I really liked. Britannia Hospital was like way, way out there for me, right? But uh, the Mick Travis trilogy, I didn't even realise that those three films, If and Oh Lucky Man and um, Britannia Hospital were a trilogy. But it was a bit clockwork orange. It came out and I think I was 12, 13 years old and of course it came out and there was all these amazing bits and pieces. Oh yeah, I have got something here. And of course it was a... Da, 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 da. Here we go. December 71. It was passed uncut for cinemas in December 71. And I really wanted to see it. And it was, I can remember going to Easter Road, the Hib Stadium. And there was a bunch of Rangers supporters. I'd all dressed up as the Drugs, you know. And I'm walking to the stand with my dad. And there was these guys with the Doc Martens and the, uh, the, the, the Stay Press, you know, high up the, high up the calf. And, you know, the, the braces and the, the hats with the one eyelash and stuff. And scary, scary f dudes. I mean, uh, and I was like, whoa. But I, I was always kind of, I wanted to see Clockwork Orange, but when it, when it came out, it was it was banned. And I, I never saw the film, uh, you know, and I had to wait and wait. And I didn't really, I didn't understand what had happened to them, why it wasn't, um, why it wasn't you being able to see it in the cinemas. And it was interesting because there was all these rumors at the time that uh, Anthony Burgess who'd written the book, right? There was rumours flying about that Anthony Burgess had actually pulled, he'd stopped the film and because it was, it, the violent scenes were, were too much and there was all, all these rumours about it. And I didn't realise it was Kubrick that pulled the film, right? And uh, it's, this is interesting, I got this off Wikipedia. It said, although it was passed uncut for UK cinemas in December 71, British authorities considered the sexual violence in the film to be extreme. In March 72, during the trial of a 14-year-old male accused of the manslaughter of a classmate, the prosecutor referred to a clockwork orange, suggesting the film had a macabre ref relevance to the case. 
The film was also linked to the murder, murder of an elderly vagrant by a 16-year-old boy in Bletchley. I remember that one. And he pleaded guilty after telling police that friends had told him of the film and the beating up of an old boy like this one. In the film, this tramps me up, which brings me on to something else, right? Um, the press also blamed it for a rape where the attackers sang Singing in the Rain and Christia, uh, Christiana Kubrick, the director's wife, had said that the family received threats and protesters outside their home. And the film was withdrawn from British release, release in 1973 by Warner Brothers at the request of Kubrick in response to allegations that the film was responsible for copycat violence. Um, and the thing was, uh, oh, there's another bit. The Scala Cinema Club went into receivership in 1993, right, after losing a legal battle following an unauthorised screening of the film. In the same year, Channel 4 broadcast Forbidden Fruit, a 27-minute documentary about the withdrawal of the film in, in Britain. Um, it was difficult to see A Clockwork Orange in the United Kingdom for 27 years, and it was only after Kubrick died in 1999 that the film was theatrically re-released and made available on DVD, and Kubrick died in 2001. And, uh, and I had, when I went to America, <laughs> gotta watch what I'm saying here, I got some, some videos, right? They were dodgy videos, right? And I didn't know at the time when I, when I went out to America in the early 80s that there was a difference between NTSC and PAL. I just thought American TVs were crap. Look at all the lines, it's really fuzzy. But it's because we've got more lines than the, the Americans use. And if you buy a video in NTSC, as you'll know if you buy DVDs from us or you buy DVDs from anywhere, and you'll see the, the markings on them and it tells you what region they can play in. And the NTSC, I couldn't play NTSC. And I actually went out because of the various films that I'd received. I went out and bought this huge Trinitron Sony monitor, right? And an NTSC playing video thing. And I managed to watch Clockwork Orange for the first time in about 1984 on an American, uh, on an American video, on an American VHS, which I've still got somewhere. And, um, and I bought the, 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 the Blu-ray later on, but this is where it kind of ties in. You're probably going, Clockwork Orange, Marillion, what the, f you know, blah, 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 Mark Waddell, blah. The reason is, La Gazzalandra. And when I saw Clockwork Orange, I really loved the music. And the music was classical music, but it was adopted by, at that time, um, a guy who was called Walter Carlos, who was an incredible synthesizer player. And he was into kind of Rick Wakeman, Vangelis kind of more things. He was a German, I think he was German or Swiss. And Walter became Wendy Carlos. He, he, he had a, a, a he, he nominated to change his sex, right? So he became Wendy, right? But Walter Carlos made, made an album called A Clockwork Orange. And I remember buying that long before I had the movie, right? So I was listening to this album on vinyl, right, in, in Dalkeith, in, in my house. And I hadn't seen the film. My only kind of, my imagination ran off what was Walter Carlos's uh, um, uh, album at the time, the music at the time. And it's a brilliant album. If you get a chance, it sounds very dated now. But I mean, it, but as an album with its time, it was incredible. And some of the, some of the themes that were on it were really, really spooky. And 
that was round where I caught uh, the Rossini thing, the Thieving Magpie, La Gazzalandra. And originally, well, when I, when I saw the film, <clears throat> everybody talks about uh, uh, Beethoven and you know, the Fabulous Fifth and be that being, that was the music that Alex, the lead character, was always hearing. But all the violence in the film was always introed and the, it was always introed by Thieving Magpie. And one of the scenes was in the, there was a, a, one of the, in the early part of the film, there's a scene where there's, um, there's a, a, a gang rape scene in a, a, an old theatre and there's a fight occurs between Alex's drugs and the other gang. And the fact that this beautiful piece of music kind of always kind of, it was like an overture to the violence or whatever. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to use it on Misplaced Childhood because I thought it, just the announcement that, that that song, the, the portend or whatever you call it, that the, the music had, I just went, it was perfect for us. And um, and with being the theatre, et cetera, et cetera, that was kind of why I chose it, you know, because it was, um, as I said, it was an uplifting piece of music. And I always felt that, you know, we wanted, uh, you know, I think since I heard Yes Songs album, when you hear, uh, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, is it Sibelius? Nutcracker. Um, Stravinsky's Firebird, that's it. They always use that. And I thought that was amazing just to set the show up. And that was why I went for La Gazzalandra and Thieving Magpie because of the Clockwork Orange Association, which was nothing really to do with misplaced, but it was to do with like that. There's something that's going to happen now. And, um, and it became synonymous with us, and it, it was still uh, in, in very much the same way as um, uh, Firebird Suite. Firebird Suite um, became synonymous with Yes, and this, La Gazzalandra and the Thieving Magpie Rossini became synonymous with, with Marillion. And there's another little interesting aside on this, right? Because in Clockwork Orange, uh, there were scenes shot in the movie. Uh, that were made in Aylesbury, down at the Friars, uh, the Friars Centre, I think it was called. And Robin Bolt remembered, he can remember when they were actually filming down there in, in 19, 1970 or so. And uh, he always told me it was when the, 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 there's, an there's an attack on a tramp and an underpass, and Robin said it was that. But seemingly, in the actual movie, that scene, um, there was a scene in the square that was put in later on, but the main scene in, 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 that was shot in the, in the Friars Centre, Friars Square, was ejected. But it was all shot round about that part of uh, London because Stanley Kubrick actually lived quite close to the place. And, um, but I mean, that, that Malcolm Dell thing, Clockwork Orange, and the other thing was that I was actually considering at the time uh, for my stage clothes, you know the stage clothes, you know, the, you know oh my God, stage clothes then. As always, I had no idea what wear with stage clothes, so um, I was actually considering going out and wearing a kind of um, uh, going out with the, the Clockwork Orange drug uniform, and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> what a red drummer jacket, Clockwork Orange outfit, misplaced childhood. No contest, mate. No contest. But I did consider it again. I did consider. Going without in my solo career, but once again it was kiboshed on the advice of a very good friend with more sense than I did.
<laughs> Ray Lambert, Twisted Singing in the Rain rendition. Yeah. And again, I was, I was reading about that, that, that. The Singing in the Rain thing, that McDowell actually, um, he made it up. He was, he was basically, they were, they were doing the scene and they were, they'd, they'd redone it and redone it and redone it and he was bored. And he just did something off the cuff and he started, uh, he started singing it. And Kubrick went back and got the, he actually went back that night after they shot the scene and bought the rights for the movie for, for Singing in the Rain. And it was McDowell's idea. And um, seemingly, again, in, in the McDowell um, uh, interview, or one of the buy things. Seemingly, he was uh, he was he got a hundred thousand quid for Clockwork Orange, and he was supposed to get two point five percent of the film. And uh, Kubrick had said uh, to McDowell that he, he couldn't get it for him. And McDowell later went out with some of the head honchos uh, from Warner's, and he said, "Oh, you must be a, a really happy guy with your two point five percent." And seemingly, Kubrick had gone to Warner's and negotiated two point five percent for McDowell and took it himself. So, but it was, but McDowell's career was, I mean, I always liked him as an, an actor, but he's kind of like a bit of a jobbing actor now. He does a great art, man. He does a, he's got evil, evil eyes. Like, evil eyes. But, Max Webb, favourite of stories, the critics for years debated the significance of the change between colour and black and white. Anderson revealed it was, they just ran out of money. Oh, where was it? Well, the Carlos, yes, I lost it. Yeah, Sonia Christina Brooke, as soon as Kubrick died, it was rushed to release by Warner Brothers. I remember when it came out, it was like, wow, Clockwork Orange is now out. And it's still, if you've never seen it, it's a, an amazing film. It's a fantastic film. Um, Joachim Glockburn, the high art. Andrew Hancock, you have the original on vinyl. Yeah, I lost mine. See, when I went to Aylesbury and I was staying, when I had the flat with this minute, we had no money. And I couldn't sign on for a bit because of confusion, and I was just living off savings, and and um, I had to sell uh, a lot of my my albums down at Friar Square. They used to have the the market there, and I sold nearly I'd say eighty percent of my vinyl. I had to sell at the time to pay my rent. So Andrew Hancock, William Taylor, were two, yes. Tris Thompson, did you ever read Burgess's novel? Yeah. And again, it's interesting because the ending was changed. Um, uh, the film ends were, I'll tell you it ends, I'll spoil it for you. Watch the movie and then read the book. Craig, you come and train one year, fish in the other, a glass of one hand, welcome to the weekend, Slante, Zoe Baraclough, Simon Reeves, Firebird Suite, yep. Mm -hmm. Top trivia, Chris Harris. The bodyguard in the house assault scene in Clockwork Orange wearing the gold lamy plants is one David Prowse who went on to play Darth Vader in Star Wars. Yes, very good. James Moody have Clockwork Orange but still don't understand it and I am 60. <laughs> Answered your own question. <laughs> nah, sorry mate. I get it, I'm 62. Adam Jenkins, what version of the theme magpie did you use for the intro? I have tried to find it many times, but never managed to. The version you used is the best and still sends shivers down my spine. Adam Jenkins, the original one we used, I seem to remember, is Herbert von Karajan, and it's the Berlin Symphony Orchestra. And the reason I remember that, right, 
is because when we put out Thieven Magpie and they wanted to use uh, the Thieven Magpie, uh, they, they wanted to use La Gazaladra as the intro on Thieven Magpie, um, it was horrendously expensive and EMI wouldn't pay it. It was a... Uh, so that's what they used an inferior version, I think, on La Gazaladra. It's still good, but it wasn't Herbert von Karajan. So. And Robin Bolt and Aylesbury. That was another weird thing, you know, when I went down to Aylesbury because I hadn't seen the film, right? And then I went down and people were talking about it. So there was this whole mystique around Clockwork Orange, you know, when I first moved down to Aylesbury. Oh, it was shot up there. That's where they burned the trap. Well, now we're good. Where are we now? We're twenty. We're twenty to seven, right? Leslie Boys, you got the DVD of Clockwork Orange out of Poundland of all places. Jesus. Uh, uh. Okay. So we move on. We're in film directors, and somebody asked the question about Fellini. Uh, there was a couple. Uh, where was it? I should have marked this. I go so. I was too much. I rushed before. Thing I'm trying to find a laptop. Um, Fellini. Oh yeah, Jack Locker. Uh, listened to Fellini days recently and was reminded how much I love it. What is your favourite Fellini film? Any films you recommend we watch in quarantine? Yes, yes, yes. Fellini, I, 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 I used to love watching, um, uh, I used to love watching these kind of, the foreign films that used to come on BBC Two at night and stuff. You used to get some great things kind of late on a Saturday, and um, on a Friday night, I think it was. And I think I came across my, my, my first Fellini film there. But there was a cinema in Edinburgh that used to put on a lot of art films. <laughs> oh, yeah, art films. And um, was it the cameo? And the, every now and again, you know, when I, was, when I was about 17, 18 years old, you know, they'd have kind of weird art films. You'd see like, you know, La Vallée, the Pink Floyd film, you get the Frank Zappa film, and every now and again they'd be matched up. You'd be a film you want to see, and it'd be matched up with another film. And I, I saw a couple of Fellinis there. I saw uh, Satyricon there, and um, uh, I think I saw. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Oh, what was it called? Can't remember. Got them head. But yeah, Fellini. And. I got really into Fellini when I was living next door in the, in the 90s. And um, I used to record quite a lot of um, foreign film, you know, for watching at night. I had a beautiful big screen and it was, we used to call it the pizza oven. And I, I built this thing in a corner that was like a great big rough stone pizza oven. But I had a TV in it, no pizza. And um, pizza came later. And, uh, I used to watch a lot of film and that, and that was actually on the original uh, Trinitron 
that I had brought up from Aylesbury, but went from Aylesbury to Gerald's Cross. Because the big Sony Trinitron monitor I had, you could play anything on it, which was great when you got all sorts of videos sent to you and things, and from professional EMI people and things as well. Yeah. But Fellini, I got into there, and I, and I came across a film, and I fell in love with it. And it's my favourite Fellini film, and it's called Amarcord. And E M A R C O R D. It's beautiful, and I, I, I copied. I this. I actually do some work on this. This isn't all just off the cuff. This delivery's off the cuff, but the subject stuff I can find out about. And this was. Um, this is from Fellini said this to uh, uh, a journalist in New York, round about the time of Amarcord. He said, "I am trying." I'm trying to free my work from certain constrictions. A story with a beginning, a development and ending. It should be more like a poem with meter and cadence. And that's the kind of, that's how I, I, I grew to love Fellini and why I fell in love with Amarcord. Fellini was born in Rimini. When I've been there, I've actually done gigs there. I did a gig there on the Fishheads Club tour. But every time, I'd been there with Marillion. When I, every time I went to, to Rimini or nearby it, it was always like, it was grey and horrible and it was the wrong time of year. And Rimini used to be, um, it's on the east coast of Italy, kind of about halfway, mid, mid up a little bit. And uh, it was a massive beach resort. And it was used by uh, uh, the German soldiers as a kind of retreat during World War II. So they'd go there to recover and things. And as it's got a fascinating history, but that whole part of the coast is really interesting. But uh, I saw Amarcord and then I went down when I went down solo and we walked around the Grand Hotel at night. And if you see the, the Amarcord movie, you'll understand. And um, it, it really came to be because Fellini days came to be known as Fellini days because of Fellini moments, right? And in Amarcord, you have these, you know, as I just said, it's like poetic cadence and, and just some of the stories don't, aren't really there. It's, it's kind of like a meandering story that, you know, well, lots of really interesting characters and, and things happen around them and to them and, and stuff. And like one scene in particular I really loved was like, uh, it's when the, the little boy's going to school and there's a fog comes down. There's two things in, in Amarcord. There's the fog that comes in because it's a seaside town and Fellini bases Amarcord in Rimini and come, takes all his childhood memories and experiences and just throws them into this movie. But there's one scene where the young boy leaves the house and he goes out through the squeaky iron gate and you, you, it, the sound feels muffled like a fog. And he walks down this, this street, uh, you know, and it's the fog and there's the shapes and obviously it's, it's cut out to trees, which makes it even more strange. And he's walking down and for no reason whatsoever, an oxen, a bull walks across the scene and just walks across the road and stops. But the thing is before it, you just hear the cowbell, ding, ding, in the fog, ding, ding. And then it just walks out of the, the fog into the middle of the street and turns around and looks at him and then walks off. And that's it. It doesn't make any sense, but it's just beautiful, right? And 
Fellini was brought up on um, neorealism. Like I said, he came from Rimini and he moved to Rome. And Rome was the heart of kind of uh, neorealistic um, directors like uh, Rossellini, who did, it was, it was La Cita, it was Rome, an open city. And basically it was like a documentary and they basically took film crews out and, and filmed in Rome. And Fellini was kind of very uh, inspired by that side of filmmaking. And a lot of the dialogue in Fellini's film, or most of it, is overdubbed. And there was no kind of set scripts or anything like that. And a lot of it was just actors working off each other. And he, you know, he paid very little attention to actually recording the, the, the dialogue on set. And everything was kind of overdubbed and added post-production. And the direction was kind of very loose. And it, it, it took this whole surrealistic vibe. But when he moved into the 70s, it kind of it went a little bit, um, a little bit more magical. And Amarcord is, is a magical film. And La Dolce Vita is a, a great movie, which is an earlier film, which a lot of people know, the Marcel Mastroianni um, um, uh, movie. And um, Eight and a Half, I really like as well. But Amarcord was the one that was the particular inspiration behind Fellini days. And Fellini moments were moments during the day when you turn around and you just see something strange and magical and beautiful. And most days you wouldn't even pick it up. You know, you'd, you'd just, you'd miss it. You know, it'd be something that just happened. But on a, but a Fellini moment is one of those kind of things where uh, something very strange and wonderful happens. Right? And um, I'm going to give you the story. And basically, Fellini moments, like when you get a lot of Fellini moments, right, they become what I call a Fellini day, right? And a Fellini day is just a magical day. And it's just everything is beautiful. You're in a completely different area. And it's, it's similar to something I said about lockdown. And I said about lockdown that I feel that the rhythm of my life has changed. You know, I'm not rushing from point one to point two. <laughs> and um, and you do have more time to kind of take notice of things and just absorb things and just, you know, you see a, 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 a bird in a bush or whatever and then you can just stop and hear it sing for a while and just lose yourself in that moment, which is beautiful life. And uh, so, fill any moments, right? I was in, I was on a tour bus and it would be on the Sunsets tour and we were coming into Copenhagen and I was tired, we'd had a gig the night before and we came into Copenhagen on a day off and it was round about October and it was one of those really beautiful October days and I woke up really early on, on, in, in my bunk on the, the top deck of the bus. And uh, I just felt good. I, I don't know what it was, it just felt good. The sun was shining, the bus was warm. Um, and I really wanted to go and see the new Star Wars film. And uh, I think it was the, the Attack of the Clones or something like that. And I went, I, I really want to go and 
I want to go to the movies today and I want to see Star Wars. I want to see the Star Wars film. And I came, I came off the bus and we were parked about maybe 100 metres away from the hotel. It was on a beautiful old corner, a beautiful part of Copenhagen. And the light was just, the buildings were just gleaming. You know, it was just, it was just a wonderful, very, very early light. I think it was about eight in the morning. And I decided to go for a walk. And I walked through from the bus, walked up from the bus, about maybe a hundred yards, turned a corner, and there was a great big cinema theater. And up above it was uh, Star Wars, the clones, blah, 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 Revenge of the Clones, whatever. And um, I went, wow. And it was like, woof, that was meant to be. You know, and that's what Fellini moments seem to be as well. It's like you meant to, that's just a beautiful accident that's meant to happen. So I saw this, I went up and the box office was open and I said, I'd like, when's the next show? And they said, the next show is at 10 o'clock in the morning. I went, 10 o'clock, no problem. I bought two tickets and I thought, I bought a ticket for myself and I phoned up Yatta and I said, do you want to go to the movies tonight? And there was another movie on in a small theater and it was attached to the major theater and The Matrix was playing. And I had heard a little bit about The Matrix, but I didn't really know anything about it. And I bought two tickets for Yatta and I to go and see The Matrix that night. So, I go into the cinema at 10 o'clock. I go into the cinema at 10 o'clock. And I was virtually the only person in. And this place held about two and a half thousand people. It was a massive cinema, right? And it was like, you know, balconies and beautiful seats and big screen and, I mean, like a real classic old cinema, right? And I was sitting there completely on my own in the middle of the cinema. And, you know, you felt like you were royalty or like, you know, a major rock star. It was like, you know, please, we'll give you your individual showing today. And um, I was sitting there and it was, I'm going like, well. And uh, I'd had breakfast at the hotel. So I was like sitting there quite sated. And I waited on the film to start and it starts the edge close. And the next thing, there was a bunch of kids came in. And they basically sat in the row behind me. And there was about 12 kids and their carers. And basically, um, all the kids were disabled, right? And my first reaction was that, you know, oh dear, they're gonna be making noise all the way through the cinema. And I thought, do I move? And I thought, if I move, I'm gonna feel really uncomfortable with myself because I'm gonna make them feel uncomfortable. And it's like, that is really the thing to do. And you know, let's just stay where you are. You know, and I sat there and the movie came on and I had an incredible amplified experience because while I was watching the film, not only were you seeing these amazing kind of scenic effects on screen, but every time these big scenic effects happened, there was all these kids going, wow. And it made it really special. And just to hear them loving this film and just being so involved and expressing, hearing their expressions by me was fantastic, right? And I got up and I was smiling at the bottom, we had big, big smiles at the end and stuff and everybody's going like, whoa, what a film. Came out, went to bed that day in the hotel, slept for about four hours in the hotel, got up, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I met up with Yatta, we had a couple of drinks, went wandering up into uh, Copenhagen, trying to find the restaurant. 
and we were just wandering through these twisting kind of streets. We just got lost in an old part of Copenhagen. And we walked into a square and there was a Chinese restaurant on the first floor. And we said, oh, there's Chinese, let's just go to Chinese. And we went up there, went up the stairs, got the menus in front of us. And I just went, you know what? It, it doesn't feel right. It, 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 there was something about it just didn't feel right. I wasn't in tune with, with the restaurant. I couldn't explain why. And I just said, yeah, I said, look, let's go and find somewhere else. So we went walking back da -da -da, down the alleyways and we came across this amazing um, restaurant that was dealing with soul food and they were doing like big steaks and it was just perfect. And it, I think it was called, I thought I said fish food on the wall, but it was soul food and it was just gorgeous. And the, the waitress was amazing. She was really friendly. It was a great vibe. And Yacht and I were talking about movies because we're going like, look, you know, where are we going to go uh, uh, with, with this? It's like, you know, the music business. And I was going through one of my, I'm sick of touring. I, I really want to break an act and I want to do more acting. And uh, let's write movies. Let's do movies together. Yeah, you know, get you involved with production, that kind of a, And we had a great conversation, really up conversation. And we had a couple of brandies and, and stuff. And then we went down to the, the cinema to go and see The Matrix. And we saw The Matrix. And I was absolutely blown away by this film. Right? I mean, I was just blown away and it was before it had become like a, 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 a really well-known film it hadn't exploded it was still these were early showings and the two of us like were just I just went this this is what I want to do I, this is what I want to write things like this you know and we walked out of the cinema right and just as we walked about 20 yards off all the fireworks came off at the Tivoli and the Tivoli is like a, a, a fun park, pleasure park in the middle of Copenhagen. And at the end of every night, they have um, uh, firework display. And we turned around and we saw the fireworks go off over the massive dome of the, I think it's the Copenhagen Circus. It was just stunning watching the reflections of this, all these fireworks in the damp streets on the cobbles. I mean, it was Fellini, right? So we walked around and I said to Yata, you know what, I really fancy, he said, before we go back to the hotel, I'd really fancy a pint of Guinness. And he said, I know an Irish bar just round the corner, I think. And he said, when I was here with Floyd, working with the merchant Floyd, he said, I'm sure there's an Irish bar here. We turned the corner and there's an Irish bar. So Yata and I are sitting there and I'm just going, this is just so Fellini, right? Literally that, this is just so Fellini. It was just such a beautiful day. And we're sitting at the bar with our Guinness, right? And there's these uh, couple of guys sitting next to us and they were talking English, right? And Yat and I are talking about movies and da-da-da and opportunities and stuff. And the two guys are, are next, next to us and we heard them talking English. So we started talking with them, right? This is true. <laughs> One of the guys, right? It turns out he was a Scottish actor that was, uh, that was um, uh, working across in, in Copenhagen, right? And the other guy was a Geordie. And he played the bird in the longest, he was in the bird costume in the longest running children's TV series in the world, right? In the world, right? And it's a really famous TV series and he had a job at the time. And he was the bird. And I'm going like, no, this is nuts. And we decided, I want to go for a cigarette. So we went outside and we had 
a cigarette, okay? And as we were smoking a cigarette, I was telling him all about, I told him all about kind of Fellini and like, I, I said like, this is a, a Fellini day, this is incredible, meeting all you guys and stuff. And he went, come with me. And we walked into the bar, right? And we were sitting at the stool and he pulled up his bag and he says, have a look at this. And he pulled out an autobiography of Fellini, right? It was a Fellini day. And that was where the name of that album came from. So, it's seven o'clock. The Fellini Days album was written during a very, very challenging time in my life. Uh, my first wife had gone away. She was in the process of going away, was going away. She was going away to Berlin. She was, she basically got found another guy. And, uh, it had been a very fractious marriage for quite a while. And um, so a lot of the writing on this album was kind of all decorated by events in that time. And when I was talking to, uh, when I was talking to, um, when I was doing the interview the other day, it was, um, he said, Johnny said to me, he said, every one of your albums has always got kind of a relationship song or whatever, and et cetera, it's always got this. And which leads me up to Andrea Stahl. And Andrea Stahl goes, I regard Long Cold Day from the wildly underrated album Fellini Days as one of your best solo songs, not to mention a solid, solid live favorite. On the tin, it says failed marriage, but with I hit the water, the ship sailed on. I also perceive leaving your old band care to let us rifle through your head regarding the lyrics. Well, regarding the old band, by 2001, no. Uh, nothing to do with that at all. It was absolutely pure, 100% a vitriolic, um, or not vitriolic, but it was basically a catharsis. And, um, and it's one of those songs, it became a stalwart in the set, and I love singing it, even now. I mean, nothing to do with the first marriage, but I love singing it because it's such an expressive song to sing, right? It's just, you just, you can just, you know, you can let the anger come out. It's just a, it's just a wonderful expulsion, you know, of feeling and emotion. But it was about that time, you know, when there was a, um, it was about that marriage. And it was, a, but it, it's, it's a song, that I, I still relate to. Um, I love it. The ship sails on. Now, I didn't know this, right? But um, Fellini did a movie called the, the Ship And The Ship Sails On. And it was in 1983. And I didn't even know about this movie until today when I was kind of like going, oh, I'm going to have a real dig about the Fellini catalogue. And Simona told me that she was going to try and buy me this poster uh, that she'd seen because she really loved it. And she said it was about it's about a rhinoceros, a rhinoceros, darling. Oh, she threw that to my mum. It was uh, the German name. I didn't even recognise the, the the title, right? And I didn't know about this till today. There was an actual Fellini film called "And the Ship Sails On." The ship sails on in in uh, in Long Cold Day, right? Was a reference to the ship in Amarcord, and it's all about how they go down to the beach, and there's the liner comes in. And they're waiting to see the, the biggest liner on the planet, which is sailing by with all the wonderful people in it, 
with all the lights ablaze, so all the, the, the town goes down, you know, to, to look at, you know, the world that they cannot live in. And it's about how the liner comes in and then just disappears in the fog again and all they do is watch it. And that was kind of the inspiration behind it. So, without any further ado, we're going to take an instrumental break. So, for those of you who have never heard this, he gets up with pound legs.
Long Cold Day from the album Fleeny Days. And the guitarist in that was John Wesley, who co-wrote that song with me. John Wesley, dear friend, miss him like crazy. He's out in Florida. And if you're watching John, or if you're watching Wes, I hope you're okay, mate. Um, John Young was on keyboards. And Steve Vances and Dave Stewart were the rhythm section. Brilliant album. Um, it was interesting because I wanted to put a lot of uh, I wanted to put a lot of effects on it, um, and we we took up we found a lot of kind of uh, dialogue from Fellini and things that we we stole lots of wee snatches and bits and pieces from loads of obscure places, and uh, like Matori, you know, means action, you know, and there's all these little kind of film things. But what we did was we ran the the sound of the camera like the, the sound of a projector uh, underneath a lot of the, the not all under all the songs but like when we moved into the gaps and it there's a lot of people came up to they think there's something wrong with my album it's a disturbing sound in it and it was like they didn't get the fact that it was actually you know it was projectors it was a real turning and um i wish we'd had been able to completely remix this album um it was one of those albums, as I explained to Johnny Sharp during the prog interview, it was like, there was one or two albums at that time that just really suffered from lack of funding. Um, I wish, you know, I had, you know, Carla Malcolm around this album and the Rain Gods and Feel the Crows album, you know, with no disrespect to Tolte Elliott because he's a brilliant engineer and he did a great job here. But um, I wish we'd, I'd been able to go back into that when we did the remasters, but I just we, we couldn't get into the, the, the master tapes, which was a real blow, especially with Rain Gods, because we just didn't have the formats. It was explained in another show, but anyway. Alberto Souza, the musical world will never be like that again. Yeah, another thing about Fellini films is Nino Rota, who did all the, he did all of the, um, uh, the, the, the soundtracks for Fellini films. He did all the orchestral stuff brilliant if you ever get a chance to listen to an album uh, with some of Nino Rota's um, soundtracks on it catch it it's good Martin Beverage John Wesley guitar absolutely Simone is in the kitchen quarter past just what's that tea time what's for tea tonight darling knowing the question knowing the answer It's just only fish and chips and peas and a salad. Fish and chips. Fish and chips. <laughs> we got breaded haddock tonight that we got off the fish van. On Wednesday, we were really lucky. At nine o'clock every morning, the fish van comes around and we, we buy fish. Just like the old days, you know? So the fish van pops around and he's always got a nice selection in the back of the fish van. Always a nice selection in the back of the fish van. Anyway, nine o'clock, so I, I got, we had. Uh, a couple of nights ago, we got some scallops and I got a wee bit of salmon and a wee bit of monkfish and we had that with uh, linguine. It was really, really nice. And tonight it's just basic fish and chips and it's Friday night fish and chips. Sylvia Kowalczyk, I can't even repeat what you said. Not because it's of anything rude, I just can't pronounce Polish. Sorry. Sean Marshall, John Watson. Uh, Suk Prehar, Steve Bissett, yeah, it does sound great here. Those the kefs are amazing, they're great. And uh, as I said, it's um, and I've got a kef system as well, so my, my surround sound system 
that's tied up with the, the, the TV. What that'll be listening to the, the five to ones from Avril and Andy, the Cats and Jammer kids. Um, and I'll be listening to Avril and Andy's five to one makes sense. So Avril and Andy, if you're watching, yes, I will be working later on. Uh, I will get this Blu-ray away to Holland tomorrow. Paul McComb, never watched it before. Welcome, mate. Tanya Wyman. Uh, so I don't know what you want. I, it's like I've got Grace, Grace of God and Garner Remembrance were, were, were really close on the ties when, when I put it up earlier, just on the post. So I don't know kinda, which one to go for. It's quarter past. Um, David Eves, weird when that album came out. I thought it was okay after the much easier and popular Rain Gods. Now it's one of my top three. I adore it. Auto taste change. There's some great stuff in Fellini days. Um, there's maybe maybe as we go on, you know, maybe this is what I should start doing. Play a song from the, the kind of earlier Fish Soul catalogue and then play something from Belshmann. So, like I said, for people that are just kind of don't really know what I'm doing that I found this place, you know, it's um, uh, you can get to grips with the other stuff. My historical shit. Any news, Christian Drusen, any news on the Fish and Friday t-shirts? I am at this very moment, or uh, this weekend, I am, I am talking to a cartoonist called Mr. Stuart Beale. And Stuart's been doing some little sketches. So yes, we are moving with that. And the Funny Farm kitchen garden shop. So yeah, we'll get something together. But I mean, the, the big thing is, it's just all setting up for, for next week for the, um, the release of Garden of Remembrance on Friday. On Thursday, by the way, I'll check out Facebook because I've not got the exact timings and things yet. But I think it's on Thursday. Louder Magazine are going to have, uh, they've got an exclusive on uh, the, the first plays of the Garden of Remembrance video that's done by David Lamb. And I defy you not to get emotional when you see this video. It's, it's a cracker. And um, it's, it's, an abs it's one of the, the finest videos that... I've, I've been involved in it, it's, it's just, it's so moving. It, it fits the song perfectly. And I think it's on Louder, on the Louder channel on Thursday, but as I said, watch the Facebook thing. Um, on another thing, on the website, for some reason, I don't know why, I've got no idea why, but it said 10th of July for pre-order, it wasn't. So someone was having to fend off all these. I thought, when's it gonna be released? The pre-order starts next Friday. Right? And as I said, we've got 15,000 uh, deluxe versions. And once they go, it's going to take a while to get the, um, to move through into the next one. So it's, uh, there could be a delay, whatever, but the 15,000 will be there. So I don't see any problem in the run up, but I think when people start to hear this album and get to grips with it, I think the news is going to spread quite far and wide. And I think when we're gardening a remembrance, you know, I'm quietly confident that this could spill out a little bit into areas that I've, I've never been in before. So, uh, um, Pamil Garden, can't go out there, it's way at the moment. I'm going next week, it's supposed to be sunny next week. So, um, Mushier Garden, Gary Lowndes, Mushier Garden Peas, Garden Peas, darling, Garden Peas. Mushy Peas, I never, Mushy Peas is, wasn't a Scottish thing or it wasn't an East Coast Scottish thing by any stretch of the imagination. It was like, 
I never saw Mushy Peas until I went down to England and I was kind of went, these are overcooked, mate. <laughs> mushy Peas, man. Aua! That's my neck. Oh, I pulled the muscle in my neck a couple of weeks back and it's still kicking me in. Robert Campbell, are you in Germany just now in Harrington? Darling! Darling! Are we in Germany or, or, or Harrington now? Where are we? Are we in Germany or Haddington? What do you mean? Where are we? In Haddington? We're in Haddington. We're not in Germany. We don't live in Germany. We live in Scotland. Right? Near Haddington. In East Lothian. We nearly lived in Germany. In Durlach. In near Karlsruhe. But we chose in 2015 to move here. So, awa! My stambles. Do a double song tonight, please, Fish. Yes, you're going to get a double song. It's 20 past. Uh, what are you hitting there? The Jack Herrera? Don't know what Jack Herrera is. Ray Lambert. Vitor Felgiras, please remaster Fellini. Fellini. Fellini Days is remastered. And you can find all the, the, the remasters on the, the fishmusic.scot website. The ones I've still got to do is Vigil in the Wilderness of Mirrors, which I'm aiming to get out next March or April which I'm still waiting on EMI to sign off on the license deal. I need paperwork to move on this. Eternal Exile, which I control, I would like to put out at the same time as, as Vigil. Excuse me. And the other album that somebody reminded me today, um, somebody wrote... Uh, uh, yeah, Ray Rooks, you asked about the T-shirts. Um... Did the widows, where is, where is, where is it? Can't find the name, sorry. 13 Star. It's not on the website, it's sold out. And I'm not going to get it reprinted just now because I'm going to do a remaster of that as well. Um, Feast the Consequences is glorious as it is. The deluxe package on, on Feast, which is as, you know similar to the Velchman's one. So um, there's no plans to, to redo Feast. Um, but Vigil, Eternal Exile and 13 Star will all be remastered next year. And that's why there's no point in me getting reprinting 13 Star in its existing format because you know I'd rather just let everything die off. I mean, it's going for the same thing. Some of the copies are going for stupid prices. But uh, we're just waiting it. So there'll be the three albums plus the Clutch and Straws Live one that we've still got to do, that Steve Vances, hope you're doing well, Bobs, um, is, is sorting out in the next months. So there's a lot There's a lot to be done. But as I said, at the moment, the concentration is all on Velschmerz. It's setting up promotion, setting up advertising, moving things out, letting people become aware of it. You know? uh, Pre-order was the 24th of July. Pre-order is the 24th of July. Pre-order is the 24th of July, next Friday. Uh, um, Darren Robinson, hope the bandwidth could take it. I have already warned Fuse Metrics. I said, be prepared. I think there may be a tsunami in the first week. So, how is the Vinyl Deluxe different, Sean Mitchell? Well, the Vinyl Deluxe has got this, it's basically two vinyl albums. And it's great because the, 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 the two CDs fit perfectly on a two vinyl. It is a classic vinyl release. You will not be disappointed. The curve of each side is perfect. And it was interesting because I was listening to some albums, vinyl albums. We were out, this is one and I were out in the garden 
taking a break uh, last week and we just decided to like, you know, throw in some albums. I was listening to Caravan, Girls Who Grow Pump in the Night, because I'd seen, uh, I saw an article in the Prog magazine that I was setting up about a week or so ago, and I put on the, the vinyl I've got of uh, Plump in the Night, and it was fantastic. And it was really interesting because I'd forgotten just how much Caravan and some of those early 70 bands integrated strings and horns and brass sections into the music in very much the same way as we've done with the Velchman's album. So I think that must have been part of that subconscious calling from you know, my teenage years of the music that I really liked, which is why. Phone darling! Who is it? Oh, the name didn't come up. Who is it? Clive Goodwin, Fish, where in Germany is Simona from? I have a girlfriend who lives in Osnabrück. Uh, Simona's from uh, near Karlsruhe, which is way down south. And when I was spending a lot of time, I love that place. I love Karlsruhe. I have a great affinity and I support Karlsruhe um, Sporting Club, KSC. KSC. Uh, and we were going to live in Durlach, as I said, in 15. We had to make a decision. And what swung it was basically the garden. And that um, Simona loves the garden, as most of you know, and I love the garden, as you, you know. And I think it's a mutual love. That'll be Greenpeace then. It's, um, <clears throat> yeah, they don't know it, but I'm a very important mission here. Um, Andy Shelton, is that a portrait of Erasmus? No, it's a portrait of uh, myself from... Mary Carol Lindblom, Vigil brings back so many memories. Yes, doesn't it? Funny enough, Clockwork Orange next year it's 50 years, it's the 50th anniversary of Clockwork Orange next year. That's scary, man. Uh, Maxim Bukhanov, greetings from Russia. Hello. Will the new remasters be in 5 to 1 sound, James Wilson? Uh, no, I don't do the remasters in 5 to 1 sound because most of the time I don't have the original uh, tracks to do it. And as such, it's, um, it's expensive to put together uh, uh, a five to one mix. And it was worth doing for the Velchmetz album. The Velchmetz has got a five to one Dolby surround and it's got, um, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically an uncompressed version, um, both in the Blu-ray only. And it's the first time I've done it. So uh, because it was a new album, it, it, I was able to, financially it made sense on a remaster. You're not expecting to sell a lot of copies of remaster and I couldn't warrant the expense of, of doing a five to one even if I had the, 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 the master tapes to these things. I don't have the master tapes because of the formats they were on and I, they basically, the, 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 how can you say it, the, the carriers that the, the tapes were put on, um, we didn't move them across to a digital format, which we should have done, we didn't. It was the 90s. When you read the autobiography and you read everything comes out, even when you read the Johnny Sharp interview in Prog Magazine, you might get a little bit more understanding as to what was going on back then. And um, we were, you were lucky to get albums out, to be honest. So it was, it, it was hard times. And um, so the carriers that we had all the recordings on, 
they basically screwed up. We tried to save them, but uh, we couldn't get the information from them. So that's why there are no remixes of Fellini Days and uh, Rain Gods with Zippos, which is, it's a shame, but you know, that happens. Phil Atwell, I saw the Caravan feature and also listened to them. First time for me, love it. Caravan were a great band. Um, when I was doing the, fish, the original Fish on Fridays, years and years ago on, uh, on um, Planet Rock, I, I was playing a lot of Caravan and General Giant. And I remember I went down to Tesco's in Arlington and the guy in the cheese counter came up to me and he said, who's that new band you were playing? He says, can I, where can I get their albums about? And I'm going, well, which band is that? And it was Caravan and he'd never heard of Caravan. And he, f he fell in love with them and got all the albums and stuff, which was one of the great things about that Fish and Friday Planet Rock show was like it introduced so many people to like, you know, different music, which was kind of good. Clive Aspinall, hello. Tusso da Martini, who is it? It's moi, fish, fish. Dead Copida, is the new music available online when it's released in September? Yes. Uh, Barry Capper, I'm going to the Berlin show. Yeah, that's going to be a cracker. It's going to be weird though, because I'm in a situation where the album is coming out basically in, you know, September the 25th, and I won't be touring with it for a year. And if this album really kicks it, and and if the album starts to make some big waves, it's going to be interesting going out and playing all these venues. And if there's a huge demand, it's like you know the people that have got tickets could be laughing very much so because I could see if it's a big album this, the venues that we're playing are going to be very much sold out Wolfgang Tremble I went to Karlsruhe University and lived there for 15 years I lived in there Simone and I started going out and uh, we kind of got together in 10 started really going out in 2011 and I went across and met Simona's three kids in, in uh, early 2012 when I was writing Feast of Consequences and I started to spend more and more time out there. And I, I love it. I loved it over there. But um, it, like I said, when we had to make a decision, it had to be one or two places. We couldn't afford two places. So we decided here and the studio. And it's, uh, it's cool. Have you ever been to Erdinger? Lovely little town outside Munich. No, I've not. Um, Nicholas Caswell, seen you be entertaining Bosnia on the CSC show. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, I'll deal with the, the Bosnia thing. When I do the Perception Johnny Punter thing on another programme, I'll, I'll bring in the Bosnia stuff and the Kosovo stories and, and what I've done with the army over the years. You'd like that. <laughs> I'll freak you out. Andy Shelton, hi. Rob Schofield, please talk about the sports bar in Dalkeith. My pal owned it. Who's your pal? Um, the sports bar in Dalkeith, if it was the old Greyhound, that was Bobby Smith, who was the former house player, who was a friend of mine. And um, he was at Dalkeith High School, and he was a few years above me. But, um, but yeah, I didn't really go into the sports bar. I went into the county bar. I don't. I, I, I kind of lost track of... I used to drink in the county bar. That was my main, my main kind of place when I was a teenager, the county. And uh, but largely, most of my friends drinking uh, uh, down at the Black Bull, which um, is down at Buckley Street. 
and I've been in there a couple of times, but the county was, was where I used to drink. County, sometimes the Justin Lees, when I went to say to go travelling up to S Bank, but the county in the high street was, was where I used to drink. But I never used to drink in the Greyhound. Uh. Martin Kelly, can you not do a troll to find compatible machines? Martin, we tried everything to try and find a way to get these master tapes, believe me, and we can't do it. So, uh. Will there be 24-bit flat files like you got with Feast of Consequences, Sonia, Christina Brooke? No. Too complicated. Um, that became a, a real pain dealing with downloading 24-bit flaks and codes, and we just stopped doing it. It was just overcomplicated, and I'm not doing it with this album. There are great versions on the on the Blu-ray, and you know, if if you're into listening to 24-bit flaks, then you're gonna have a Blu-ray in your house. That's all I'm saying. Right? And I'm not into putting flaks up for download. This is a I, I, I touched that subject last week. I mean. The problem is when you start putting big files up and they go out to the wrong places, you've just screwed yourself, you know, because it just ends up people copying it. I mean, this is one of the problems with the CD. When they produced the CD and gave the people CDs, you're just giving away the master. You know, this wasn't like vinyl. You were giving away high quality masters and it was kind of, the music business kind of shot itself in the foot. But that's another thing. Hi, Fish from Long Nidre, Murray Wellwood. Darren Robinson saw Caravan for the first time at Cropper's Superb Band. Yeah, Cropper Day, yeah. A lot of people will be missing Cropper Day this year. Ian Price, will you change venues? I don't know, I don't think so, I don't think I can. I mean, the big problem is, you know, something like Holmforth Picture Dome, if they cancel, if Holmforth gets cancelled in February, right, and gets moved again, I mean, it's not just me, I'm concerned about the venue, man. It's like, I mean, Holmforth Picture or the Picture Dome is a beautiful venue. And how do you keep that warm and dry and, uh, you know, functioning during the winter? It's, uh, you know, I'd like to see some of that um, 1.5 billion from the UK government siphoned down past the opera houses and past the theatres and get into some of the rock venues that, you know, a lot more people go and see on a regular visit on a more far more regular basis. I mean, you know, that annoys me. It's like, you know, the music business is just uh, kind of getting ignored a wee bit, you know, but stamp your feet, stamp your feet, no point. Oh. Uh, did you see the version? I missed that one. It stepped up. Homeforth will be okay. I'm glad you said that. Somebody with positives. Jean-Luc Desjui, will you ever tour in France ever again? I love to tour France. Find a promoter that's going to offer me money and do a gig, you know? It's like, same as everyone. I'm not going to go down there because it is a rabbit hole. I really don't want to go down tonight because we're now 25 to 7 and it's a long, long argument. Uh, um, okay. Rico Panina, Fish, will you sign all the Velchmets albums? No, it's impossible. Sorry, it will not happen. We're going to be overloaded here and we just can't do it. Uh, Rene Sabasco Mattia, did you see the version of General Giant's Proclamation? No, I didn't, but I heard about it and I saw it on one of the, the music magazine's uh, websites. So I'll have a listen to it. Proclamation, General Giant, which I think was Power and the Glory. And that was my first General Giant, first General Giant album. Dave Parker, Camel, Fish.
Yeah, Camel, Snow Goose, another classic, Dave Parker. Yeah, it is. Camel and Caravan, I've always used to find, you know, they were kind of very, very similar. So it was, um, well, I say very similar. There were similar types of bands. I mean, music was completely different. And I mean, Andy Latimer against Caravan were more whimsical, but I love it. It's great music to play, you know, when, when you're outside and when the sun's shining, got a glass of wine, wee cigarette or whatever, or a vape, you know, just, yeah. Listen to Caravan, it's just so lovely. Yeah. Uh, Maxim Bukhanov, have you ever been to Russia? No, I've never been to Russia. I've been offered some gigs there and for various reasons I couldn't or wouldn't do them. And I would be up for playing Russia at some point if the correct offers come in. Um, they make absolute sense, but as I said, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I want to scale down to it and I don't want to expand upon it. You know, if I'm going to play places, then, you know, I, I, I'm not playing places for a career opportunity. You know, my career is what it is. You know, this, my situation is where it is. So I'm not into you know, taking gambles and, 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 and going in to play places for the first time to see if something could happen that could get you on the bigger things. I don't do that now. I'm 62, you know. I know where I'm at, you know. Um, John Germanotta, how's your lovely mumfish? Thank you very much for asking. She's fine and dandy. She's been loving it at the moment because she's been able to go out and weeding, which is what she loves. She is a weeding machine. She is the Mark One weeding machine. And she goes out there and she's the happiest woman in the world, just sitting there pulling up weeds from all the pathways. And she just goes round and round and round and round. And she loves it. And she's in very good health. And she gets outside, obviously, and it's good for her. So she's a happy lady. Oh, right, I've got to see a couple of people. I forgot, I've got a couple of messages. Um, Scott Donaldson, I know your birthday's on Sunday, but I've been asked to say happy birthday to you. So happy birthday, Scott Donaldson. And also Tosh and Leslie, right? Andy Mack, Tosh and Leslie. Um, they'll be married for 30 years on Tuesday. Well done, guys. And I mean that, sincerely. Well done. So, Tosh and Andy. Right. What song? Uh, Andy Sheldon reading Espadier Street Bean Banks. Thank you for introducing me to his work. Uh, 22. Um, blah, blah, blah. Let me set up. Oh no! It's take time. Ah. I'm gonna play. Um, I'm gonna play Grace of God tonight because next week is Garda Remembrance and. Next week, 24th, um, Garden Remembers is launched, so I figure I'll go with this one. So this is Grace of God from Velchmas, which is the opening track of the album. And um, featuring Mr. Tony Helliwell on spoken, well, not spoken, Tony Helliwell on Nurse's voice at the beginning.
about her head when the others cried. It's in her head she's scared to ask. She only wants to know, is daddy coming home again? of God from the Velchbats album by Fish. Available for pre-sale Friday the 24th of July released 25th of September. Grace of God. Yeah, I saw it come through. Grace of God. Bruno Del Tom. Hi Bruno. Um, who plays the 12th string? I'm not can't remember. I think Robin Ball did a lot of the, the, the 12th string work on Siva. There's loads of people play different things and when Callum picked out the, the, the different um, or the, the bits and pieces, he would chop and change between people. But I think Robin did the twelve I think Robin did the twelve string on that. But it might have been Steve, if it's Steve Vances, I apologize, Mr. Vances. Um, 
Rob Schofield, glad you're liking it, mate. Uh, Ian Price, have you watched Babylon Berlin? Yeah, Babylon Berlin is a brilliant series. Um, yeah, really, yeah. If you've anybody's watch, watching, looking for something to watch, Babylon Berlin. I think it's on Netflix. Um, we've been watching... Uh, what have you been watching, darling? The what? Oh yeah, we've been we watched a couple of we be, we started watching the Perry the new Perry Mason series on on Atlantic on Sky Atlantic. That's great, really like it, and that got me into it. Kind of twigged me a little bit, and I, I you know when you watch a film and you go, I want to watch something kind of similar in the same genre or the same age and things. And we watched a couple of great films recently. Chinatown, I hadn't seen for ages. The Roman Polanski film where Jack Nicholson from. 74 or something, I think it is. Great film. Absolutely. If you've not seen Chinatown by Polanski, it's fantastic. You can rent it in HD for about three quid, right? And the other one I watched, uh, the other one Simone and I watched was Ellie Confidential. That's outstanding. Guy Pierce is, is wonderful. Russell Crowe and things. Again, fantastic movie. Re based on a James Elroy book. If you're looking for books to read and you like those kind of gritty detective kind of crime noir um james elroy and he wrote the the book that la confidential was based on and wrote, wrote a great series of books um all based around the black dealer which was murders it's an interesting story because james elroy's mother was actually murdered and um they never found out the the murderer and it was they thought uh, she was part she was murdered by a, a, a serial killer and it was, they were called the Black Dahlia Mothers. And James Elroy got access to a lot of um, uh, Los Angeles Police Department records. And he based a lot of his books while researching, trying to find out the murderer of his mother. He wrote a lot of these books. It's, it's quite fascinating. Uh, Martin Shadworth, great tune, thank you. We're up to 10 to 8 now. So, Raymond Van J Jake, Jake, Dick, Jake. Dick, D-I-J-K, Dick, it's Dick, same as we might be related, I'm really tall, I could be Dutch, you know, I'd love to see you playing at the Royal Albert Hall, did it, I did that way back in uh, <clears throat> 1990 and I've got to be honest, I didn't really like it, I didn't really, you know, it's an impressive venue but it wasn't an enjoyable experience and I think I said this in a previous broadcast, at the time, I was about to embark on a major kind of argument with EMI, so it, it wasn't a kind of, it wasn't a great time. But I mean, at the same at the same point, I didn't really enjoy playing Albert Hall. I've, I enjoyed playing the Hamiodian more than I played the, the Albert Hall. You no. Know? No. Paul Emery, good. Angela Hatwell, glad you're liking that. Bob Wallace, did you ever come across Frankie Miller? I met Frankie Miller quite a few times, and I actually sung. Caledonia, which is on the songs from the Mirror remaster. I sang that and it's got Brian Robertson and the Harvey Band and everybody uh, 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 as, as the band that I was singing with. <clears throat> and I met Frankie there. We did a, a tribute album to Frankie. Lovely guy. I've, I've met him a couple of times before, but lovely bloke. Uh, Bob Hoff, thank you. Um, John Pulex, yeah, the Grace of God opens the album. And Veltschmerz closes it. And somebody asked earlier on, 
was it always planned for Weltschmerz to close the album? And the answer was no. I didn't. I wasn't sure which track to close the album. I felt to close with Rose of Damascus was a little bit obvious. Uh, Waverly Steps, I didn't feel was the correct end song, but it had to, I felt Waverly had to be at the end and it had to be distanced between, there had to be some distance between Rose and Waverly with them being two big epics. And it just fell by accident, really. And it, when I, I came up with an idea when I sat with the bits of paper and it took me hours to come up with the, the, the correct track running list. And when I played Rose of Damascus, End of Rose of Damascus, when I played Waverly Steps and Erd Velchman's after it, it's perfect. It's a great album ender. I think Waverly Steps sets up the end as the penultimate song, but Velchman's as an ender is just is sparkling. Like I said, I mean, listening to the, the, the two CDs, it's a trip. And as I was starting to say earlier on, when I was listening to vinyl in the house, I, 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 I'm amazed. Vinyl, a side of vinyl seemed to take ages when I was a kid. Now it's like you go out, walk out to the garden with your, your glass and then by the time you sit down, it's like the deal's in the middle, da, da, da. So um, with the two CDs, each one of these CDs is about 43, 44 minutes long, like a normal album. So you've got the two sides of vinyl the same and the 44 minutes, 45 minutes works really well. It's enough to take you in and guide you and immerse you and then you switch the next disc on, it works, believe me. Iliana, well. <coughs> greetings from Costa Rica. Claude Potvin, check out Tracker series from South Africa, I will do. Uh, Christiana Sky from California. Um, Chris Harris, Elroy also wrote Get Shorty. Get Shorty, that's another great film. Great film. Uh, mm. Andy Preston, remember getting a book you read called Climate Wars? Yeah, that was an interesting book. Morag Sharon, nice to hear the birds singing. It's beautiful out there with the birds. And um, unless it's the starlings, we have to kind of let the bird feeders empty and then the starlings bugger off and then we fill them back up again so the sparrows and the, the blue tits get in there. But it's, uh, the starlings are ravaging, are ravaging our feeders. Oh. It's five to eight. So we come to the end of another Fisher Friday. What number was this tonight? 17, 16? I don't know. I've lost count. We're all good. Simone is good. Liam's good. Uh, the weather's still crappy, but I'll just need some sun to just bring my pumpkins up uh, and dry my onions. We have 300 onions in, from the garden this year, 300. And Rab Purdy's done a great job, put a big net up at the side of the, the palmical cabin for them to dry on. And the tatties are gonna be stunning this year. So it's all good. Um, this weekend is going to be relatively quiet, apart from listening to uh, Avril and Andy's uh, five to one mix and getting that okayed. And once that goes, as I said, the album is in production. That's it. So next week is going to be dealing with the setup for Gardener Remembrance and then the interviews will be starting to come in. So it's going to be, it's going to get busy again, my next mountain. So I hope everybody's okay. Um, everybody's bearing up. Um, it's interesting to see 
things opening up. Mark Wilkinson was going to take his family out to his, uh, one of his local restaurants. And it was like 50 quid to hire the pod that the joiners built and a 200 quid deposit. <clears throat> a lot of money. Um, I'm not going out to a pub. I've got no inclination to go to a pub or a restaurant at all. Um, try and support, you know, my local butchers and my local guys and stuff. Um, but I've, I'm still shielding. So <clears throat> Simona and I are always on kind of red alert and we still keep ourselves as safe as we possibly can. And uh, it works. So I hope you're all kind of delivering it all okay. Like I said, I mean, the live gig thing is... is the worst one at the moment, not being able to tour. Um, but as I said, no point in stamping your feet, just get on with it. I'll be back again <clears throat> next Friday. And next Friday I might have the, the vinyl, to play a track off the vinyl. And I think I'll do carry on doing what I did, what I started doing this week, and we'll take another track, maybe another track of Fellini Days. But if somebody wants to nominate a track to discuss, then do so on the... When I put up the, the, maybe on Wednesday, I'll put up the, the kind of, hi there, it's coming at you on Friday. If you want to hear a track, put up then, if it's interesting. No Marillion tracks, please. It's just fish solo stuff now. So, um, well, I've done discussions on Marillion tracks for ages. And as I said, I think there's enough people that are now coming onto this broadcast that are kind of going, who is this guy? Who is this bald Scottish guy? Um, and they don't know what I've did, done before or, very little knowledge of some of the albums that have happened in my past, so that's what I'm going to do. So until next week, um, send in your questions to Tosh on the Fish Group pages or Tosh and Andy and that. Thank you very much, guys, for doing that over there. And Ian, uh, Ian McIntyre. Um, and I'll get on with it. So I'm going to go have my fish and chips now and chill out on a Friday. So this fish on Friday is gone and this fish is on a Friday on his own with my wife. Say good night, Smyrna. Good night. <laughs> and it's good night for me. Take care. Stay alive. Okay, bye-bye.